Welcome back to another episode of Square State Sandlot. Joining me live is Kyle Gilmore, and I am your host, Bill Montoya. A couple of things we wanted to just mention right off the top uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty is just a reminder that we are doing the podcast Fantasy Football League. Uh, still got a few spots open for that, so any of you that are interested, please get a hold of us, and, and we'll get you added to that. It's looking like we're going to have eight right now, so we'd like to get up to the 12 if, if possible. Just, I think... 12-man leagues are better, so let us know if you're interested. And then a couple of reminders on if you enjoy our content, uh, just subscribe on YouTube or rate us five stars on your podcast platform of choice. And as always, we'd love to have some comments and feedback. So get those in. And Kyle, you want to kick us off with some NFL preseason news, or would you like me to? Um, I can. Okay. Uh, so we're going to dive into a little bit of preseason football without getting too far ahead of ourselves. Obviously, it's week one in the books. Um, have a few nuggets to take from that. Granted, we don't want to look too far into them, but I'll start with my Steelers. Uh, they played the Seattle Seahawks, and all in all, I'm pretty impressed with the game that they put together. Um, I mean, starting out, obviously, the quarterbacks is what everyone was paying attention to. And all three quarterbacks came in and played pretty well. Um, Mitch Trubisky came in, ended a drive with a touchdown, and he was done for the day. Uh, Mason Rudolph came in, and he had, for the most part, a good drive. He did hit a defender in the numbers, and he just happened to drop it, which would have been an interception. Um, thankfully, obviously, we didn't turn it over, but he also had the best pass of the game, in my opinion. Uh George Pickens, little toe tapper in the corner of the end zone. It was a beaut. And then the second half, man, I've never seen a crowd get that crazy for a third string quarterback coming in. Yep. Um, obviously with Kenny Pickett and, you know, playing in Pitt, that, that city loves him already, which it was cool to see. And I'm glad he performed. It would have been a big letdown for all that hype and come in and not play well. But he played um, the second half and he played really, really well. Uh, ended up with two touchdowns. So, all in all, as far as quarterbacks, um, I'm hearing little rumors. I keep seeing it everywhere that um, there's a possible Mason Rudolph trade to Detroit, which is very interesting to me. Um, Bill and I have talked a little bit about their need at quarterback, whether it be depth or somebody to push. Uh, I would love to see that happen. I hope we could get something serviceable in return. Uh, but that's quarterback situation. Most of our top-end defenders didn't play. Uh, same with a lot of our offensive weapons, obviously. But we had a few guys that really stood out. Jalen Warren, he's our he's a guy fighting for a roster spot at running back, and he came in and ran like this was his team. Um, I really, really loved watching him, and I think he's going to end up bumping Benny Snell out of our lineup. So we'll have Najee, Anthony McFarland, and then Jalen Warren. I really see that happening. Uh, as far as wide receivers go, George Pickens is just looking like the steal of the draft. Oh, for sure. That that, that toe tapper, uh, toe tapper was a beaut, but that's not even what got me excited. Um, he is the chippiest rookie I think I've ever seen. You know, preseason week one, and he's going after people. Um, his attitude and his approach—it honestly reminds me of Hines Ward a little bit. Um, so it's easy to get you know, excited for that in, in Steeler land, but he, uh, 
I don't know. I think he may even push for that number two spot on the roster. We'll see what happens. If I was Chase Claypool, I'd be eating my Wheaties. Um, Connor Hayward, I wanted to wanted to throw out a note about him. That's Cam Hayward's little brother. We have him at tight end, and he actually played really well, had some really good catches. The kid's got some hands. Um, had a nice two-point conversion in traffic from Kenny Pickett, and they've developed a good chemistry, which is nice. Uh, not everything was – you know, positive. We actually lost a couple guys. I can't remember the receiver, and I apologize for that. But um, him and Carl Joseph both got injured. Carl Joseph, I was excited for having him as some depth. Um, I've always liked him, but he had an ankle injury, and he's done for the year. So, my nice guy, bummer. Carl. I know, man. I like Carl Joseph. And then, lastly, I guess this is positive and negative, but. Uh, Miles Jack came over from Jacksonville to shore up the, the linebacker core, and he looks fast. He looks aggressive. He looks confident. Um, he's everything I was hoping he would be, you know, obviously one game in. But with that being said, he just makes Devin Bush look that much slower and that much more of a disappointment right now. Yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody's followed at all, but they've been splitting reps with Robert Spillane and Devin Bush. And Devin Bush's reaction to it is exactly what a fan doesn't want to hear. Um, they interviewed him and asked if, you know, what does he feel about this being his last shot at being with the Steelers and, you know, whatever. And his response was, well, I'll be in the NFL either way. So it's a business. It is what it is. He has no, no fire, no desire whatsoever. So I think uh, barring him having a really good year, I think the Devin Bush experiment's over. Um, we wasted a 10th, you know, overall pick on him. And that bums me out. Every time I see him, all I do is miss Ryan Chazier. So, uh, I don't know if that was a little bit of bad for the, for the end of it. And then my one last little Steeler nugget is the Steelers had a home run derby with the team and old KPA, Kenny Pickett won it. So nice. the guy just likes to win, man. <laughs> but I think the wide receiver you're referring to was Anthony Miller. Uh, Thank you. It was. He and Carl Joseph, I think, both got put on IR, so they'll miss yeah. the, the whole season, if I'm not mistaken. So, Yep. Never like to see guys go down like that, but, I mean, it no. is part of the game. Um, starting to see a lot of that, and coming out of a, a good chunk of the camps. I um, can't remember who went down for the Chiefs today, another one of their wide receivers. So Look at, look at Zach Wilson, man. Yeah, Zach that's Wilson. A, He's probably going to miss four to six weeks, they said, and I don't know where that puts him in the timeline of coming back, but uh, I did want to get into some, some Raiders stuff, and <clears throat> just one thing to note is that Josh McDaniels has definitely taken that Bill Belichick approach with the media, not so much where, you know, Bill Belichick won't even give them a, even a, a word, he just says, yeah, yeah, moving on next week or whatever, more Josh McDaniels just isn't going to reveal anything he doesn't have to. Uh, he's very guarded with information, doesn't want any leaks, things like that. So where a lot of these guys that are on on the injury list, um, typically in, in past years from Gruden, you would have at least an idea of what's going on with them, where right now it's rumored to have a hamstring injury or, you know, we don't know when he's going to be back, things like that. So um, he's definitely not making it easy on the media. And right now, during preseason, you don't you aren't required to uh, reveal injuries. Yeah. You don't have to put together a, a 
probability list or anything like that for the preseason game. So it's anyone's guess how long these guys are actually injured. But there was some good news coming out of camp today, and that's that uh, Darren Waller, Lyle Nichols, Divine Diablo, Jonathan Hankins, Rocky Sin, and Trayvon Mullen all were back at practice after missing the last several weeks due to injury, all undisclosed, of course. So not sure what was going on with them, but they are back at practice now. So that's a good sign for the Raiders, especially Nichols and Hankins. They're set to be the uh, defensive nose tackles that rotate in and out uh, of that scheme that that Graham has. So uh, I I will say the offensive and defensive lines were definitely weaknesses in our two games so far. Uh, We've won both of them. I, I have a hard time taking any major stances coming out of preseason games, especially when you aren't seeing hardly any of the starters. But it does give me some some concern over the offensive and defensive line because that's what we're seeing right now is the depth of, of what we'll see the field if the starters are out. And haven't seen any starters for sure, but the, the backups have not held up well. Uh, offensive line has looked very sketchy. Um, Colton Miller hasn't played a snap yet, so he's our starting left tackle. But outside of that, the entire rest of the offensive line is uh, undecided on who's going to play those positions and who's actually going to contribute. So what I have seen, Brandon Parker, he got absolutely destroyed by the Jaguars. Uh, He's been out since with an injury. There's a lot of rumors flying around that he's going to be put on the injury list for season or sorry, injured reserve and he's going to miss the entire rest of the season. Uh, No idea if that's accurate or not, but that's just what's being reported out of camp. Like I said, there's not much news. He hasn't been on the field, so we'll we'll see as it gets closer. But even if he is, I mean, he's our swing tackle, and he was getting owned in preseason. So that's not a good sign when you're going up against twos and threes and and just getting run by like you're standing still. So um, Thayer Munford, he got hurt today in practice, but – seems to be uh, minor, but he is their seventh round pick. And he has, he played pretty well in, in the second game against the Vikings. He started at right tackle, uh, held his own. One thing I've seen a lot of, uh, and Ted Nguyen talked about this from the athletic, they're giving that right tackle a lot of help from the tight end. And you kind of figure when Darren Waller's out there, they're not going to use him to yeah. help a right tackle. So I don't know if that's necessarily a good indicator of of what kind of success he's going to have but Alex Leatherwood has been a major letdown this far in his in his Raiders career so I'm hoping he can take take that job by the horns and really do something with it but again he hasn't looked good in in uh, preseason either so there's some some guys still out there I've been banging the table for Darrell Williams he's still available I think he's an upgrade over anything we could throw out there at right tackle so it there's still a lot of a lot of camp battles too I mean you don't know what's going to be available come season time well and right now we we just dropped down to 85 people on the active roster the next cut down will be down to 53 so that's you do the math there that's 32 extra bodies hitting the market for from every team so a lot of times you'll see guys that get cut from one team because they don't have the or they have a, a decent flood of talent at those positions but they'll fit on another team's roster and then you'll see another round of cut so yep. that's kind of what i'm thinking did you have any surprise cuts from from your team that you weren't expecting 
from that first um, match of five? No, I think everything was pretty, pretty straightforward. I mean, I think our roster really outside of a little bit of a running back stable competition and then obviously the quarterback situation. Um, I don't think there's really going to be any surprises. Um, the one thing we do have a, a wide receiver that really performed well in the game, and I cannot think of his first name, but his last name's Sims. He played the second half and he had an amazing game. So, I mean, barring somebody like that coming in and really shaking it up, um, it's just tough because at the end of the day, our top four wide receivers are basically set already. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens. It'll be that fifth spot. See what see what happens. Who who takes charge? I guess. Well, and the reason I brought that up is just because the Raiders did have a surprise cut. Uh, in the first five, they cut Marcus Robinson from the Chiefs last year. Has tons of speed, but I mean, he did not stand out on paper or on tape. And um, they did have a surprise performer in DJ Turner. He had a, a catch where he took it to the house. Um, made a great move yeah, after the catch, and then he contributed on punt return as well. So I think he, I don't want to say he solidified his role in, on making the 53, but I think he gave himself a really good chance with this performance against the Vikings, especially being able to contribute at punt return because after giving um, Hunter Renfro all that money, they're not going to want to throw him back there at punt return, even though he does an excellent no. job back there. So You got to protect him. Yep, DJ Turner, he looks nice. Um, and I think they they have a, a serious case for three guys making that third wide receiver spot. So that's never a, a bad problem to have there when, when you can't eliminate one of them. So um, the other battle that I'm, I'm keeping a close eye on, and hopefully it never really comes to them playing, but that's the backup quarterback position, uh, Jarrett Stidham. They made the trade earlier this offseason to, to bring him over. He already knows Josh McDaniel's offense being there with the, with him on the Patriots. So um, he seems to have the, the upper hand in that. But Nick Mullins came in and, and played a great preseason played game. Played really well. Uh, definitely looked a lot better than Stidham did in that second game. So uh, I think the way that it went the first game, Stidham looked like a stud, looked like he was going to run away with that backup quarterback position but second game he he started and he held on to the ball too long missed a couple wide open receivers uh ended up scrambling instead of throwing to them uh the, the touchdown he got was a, a scrambling play where he missed Kenyon drake wide open right in front of yeah. him and ended up running it in but i mean on paper touchdowns a touchdown in the end zone that's all you ask for but missing that wide open guy that's not a good look and it was pretty stagnant after the first couple of drives. So seeing Mullins come in there and obviously he's going up against twos and threes, but I mean, he was making plays down the field. He almost converted a third and 24 ended up a yard short. They ended up converting on the next play on fourth and one. Oh, so, yeah. you know, he's just, he looked really good. Um, good to see that. And I don't think they're going to carry three quarterbacks. So this is actually a, a very competitive position for them to be battling for. So, I think Stidham still has the upper hand just to that he knows the offense, but Mullins is going to make it tough on him making that decision and hopefully give himself another chance to make it on another roster if it's not ours. So, um, Let's see. Is there anything else I wanted to bring up with the Raiders? I think that is it. So, yeah, like I said, I, I think 
And Dominican Sue is still out there, defensive tackle. If Hankins or Nichols aren't able to start the season healthy, I think you got to make that move. Uh, I know we're still talking Waller extension money, so we, we got to have some of that yeah. still there, but we've got 20 million left on in salary cap right now. So I think I'd be lining it up right now. Yeah. I think you've <laughs> got to sign one of the two, either Daryl Williams or Indomitian Sue, if not both. And then obviously you still got to pay Waller. So I think that's all I have with the Raiders. Anything else you had NFL wise before we move on? Oh yeah. I got, got a few things, um, but I guess I, should, I didn't address your question. I know you posed this as far as the Steelers. Um, is if Kenny Pickett surpassed Mason Rudolph for the number two spot. And I kind of hinted at that with the Mason Rudolph possible trade to Detroit. But, um, yes, I do think that um, he came in and was confident and comfortable enough that he he's going to be number two. Um, this week he was running first-team reps, yep. which that's always something that Tomlin does. I mean, that rotation's there. So it, it's not saying he's starting. It's going to be Mitch. But, um I think Kenny Pickett came in, and I think he shut some doubters up to a degree. Granted, now this is a preseason game. Yep. But, um, you know, he's he's got a lot of people wanting him to fail. So I was really happy with what he did. Just and, amazes uh, came me in and how he could throw that football with those tiny little hands. Because <laughs> he wears gloves, man. It was good enough for Kurt Warner. And, and, you know, and that's – I obviously say that in jest, but he – he definitely looked the part, and I mean, you guys have seen Mason Rudolph over the last what three seasons, four seasons, something yeah. like that. He's not the answer at quarterback. He he wasn't the answer at backup quarterback. So um, I think no. moving on from him makes sense. But at the end of the day, I also don't see the Lions giving you guys anything. Maybe a conditional seventh or something like that for him. Uh, and if that's what see, you I'm, get, I'm hoping, that's fine. I'm really hoping it's a offensive lineman just for depth. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's I guess what I would really love. We'll one see. other thing I missed with the Raiders was they did make a trade. Uh, they traded Gillespie to the Titans for a conditional oh, seventh yeah. round pick. So uh, I think they still haven't said what that can go up to, but obviously it's conditional on him making the ro making the roster and and making some contributions. So seventh, yeah. could, I'm guessing it could go up to a, a fifth at most, but. Getting that for our fourth round pick last year isn't a great value, but you've seen this every time there's a new coaching staff or a new GM come in yep. and it's not his guys. He's, he's not afraid to get rid of them. doesn't care what it costs the team when he wasn't here. So just a note there. And then you have uh, a little note about got a couple Lawrence. of things here. Yeah. Uh, I've caught a few. I've been trying to catch a few extra preseason games just to kind of get an idea what teams are looking like, obviously, but um, one of the games I really wanted to talk about, I, I actually watched the replay today, but the Browns and Jaguars played. And everyone knows my opinion of Deshaun Watson. I'm going to leave all that stuff shelved. I'm going to talk about the play, and that's it. What about uh, the this chance? Is what I was... Talk about the chance. <laughs> I don't... I don't want to talk about that aspect of it right now. Right. I've, I've beat it up. Everyone knows that I'm not a fan. But uh, so my biggest concern with him as far as playing was that he's basically been gone for, you know, two seasons. Yep. Um, and I'll be honest with you, it showed his, I don't know if you caught any of the game, but his very first pass 
was a play action rollout to the left. And I don't know that I've seen a starting quarterback miss a wide receiver like that. I mean, it literally landed in no man's land. Yeah. And he didn't really look better after that. Um, he did have a couple guys drop some passes, but to my point is this man has a $250 million guaranteed contract or whatever it was. And Trevor Lawrence, who's, you know, been up and down and had, you know, maybe not the most stellar start to a career, but he looked better. He looked confident. He looked comfortable, um, you know, in that offense. And it really just hit me while I was watching it that Trevor Lawrence was outshining Deshaun Watson and then yep. thinking of the contract and everything going on and what the Browns were willing to deal, you know, to deal with. I would be very concerned just on the field aspect say you do get Deshaun Watson week one, which you won't, but say you do, I don't know that, I don't know what product he's going to be week one. Um, oh, he's not. It may take him a whole, s right, right. I just, my point is if he even played a full season, it could take him an entire season of playing to get back to form. Yeah. Um, and that's what I was looking for. He definitely looks like he's, I don't want to say lost a step, but rusty. Oh, for sure. And that may, you know, shake off, but it just was really, really sticking out to me, I guess, that, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence was looking better than the Deshaun Watson. So a little interesting tidbit. I was hoping that he would play in that Hall of Fame game. Uh, I wasn't expecting him to, but I was hoping just so I could yeah. see some progress. I think we've talked about it before, but Doug Peterson is going to do that guy some major favors, uh, especially coming from Urban Meyer. So... Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm excited to see his year two jump. Uh, I think they could surprise some people. I still don't think they're going to be anywhere near a playoff spot or anything well, like that. But. No, but for, for Trevor Lawrence, I'll give him this. I mean, they got Etienne back. Um, yep. And he was he was running good. And then uh, I cannot think of that wide receiver. He's number seven. Anyways, they had a guy in the game that I watched with the Browns that um, I to look it up. Maybe they were, they were really gelling. They were connecting on a lot of passes and there were a lot of good routes. I mean, they were chunks. It wasn't just nickel and diamond. Um, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's room to be excited. And I do have to say that Trayvon Walker is going to be a problem for people. He was really fun to watch. He, they were, they were worried he could just be a finesse guy. Um, but he's not, man, he was battling inside, outside. It was, it was really fun to watch him do well. See, and I listened to the Chris Long podcast, uh, Greenlight with Chris Long, and he was not as complimentary of Trayvon Walker. He said, <laughs> he said that, well, and I respect his opinion just because he obviously did it in the league for 10 right, right, years, right. whatever. But he said Trayvon Walker is going to be good, he thinks, but he doesn't have that ability to get to the next level yet. And he said he doesn't know that he has the vets around him uh, that can show him those moves and things. So he says he, he if he doesn't have a great defensive line coach, it, it could be a couple of years before he actually contributes. And obviously he could be wrong. Anyone could be wrong. But he, oh, he looked really good against Brandon Parker. But Brandon Parker was literally just letting him run right by. So <laughs> yeah, tough, tough to base it well, off. And I can say that the chunk of the game I watched, I'm not 100% sure that he was – I mean, I don't know that he was facing starters. I don't know. Right. I doubt I it. I mean, I, I wasn't mean. that into it. But, um, 
I guess we'll see what happens with him because that's that's going to be one of those picks that they dissect because it was a big, sure. yeah, you know, a big swing at one. So everyone's scratching their heads. I mean, obviously there was rumors swirling that they might do it, but yeah. no one really believed it until they did. So, um, <laughs> and one interesting thing that I wanted to bring up is we you just talked about it, or I guess alluded to it. A lot of the starters haven't been playing in preseason, and the, the reason for that is a lot of these teams are doing joint practices and they're kind of getting those simulations in during those. And you see a lot of the, the fights breaking out between, I think the Pats and the Panthers had back-to-back practices yeah, a couple of where them. they, where they went fist to cuffs. So, uh, but I think that's the reason why, I mean, you don't want to put a ton on tape out there when you have these joint practices, that's obviously not going to be on tape, at least on, not on national television or anything like that so uh, it's a lot more control you can show more of what you do especially if you're practicing with an opponent you're not going to face later on in the season so um, I think that's that's going to lead to a lot of these games being you know essentially tryouts for the guys that are on the on the roster bubble going forward yeah you you can definitely tell that it's shifted to just that I mean yeah you got some team start you know new systems things like that some guys are doing a driver too but it's definitely all about uh, seeing your depth. Yep. Um, then, I actually wanted to get your – oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say one more note I wanted to add. I know we, I don't want to go super deep into the Sean Watson thing, but uh, they his side is not contesting the six games. So no matter what, at minimum, it's going to be six games. So he'll be out at least until week seven. Um, but also – his, his camp is now offering back on the table eight games and five well, million or yeah yeah a five million dollar fine since everyone's saying he's not missing any money uh, sounds like the NFL is looking for that indefinite suspension for a full year and a much larger fine possibly north of 10 million so I just wanted to add those notes since that's things I've been no, hearing in in the cycle there and, and that's all I'll say about that but um i actually i just seen a a comment from mike vrabel Uh, i actually watched the titans preseason game um got to watch malik willis play obviously with the kenny pick and malik willis you know with the steelers in the draft i I looked at both of these guys a lot so i was curious i wanted to see how he was doing um i actually thought he played relatively well um yes a lot of that was mobility and moving outside the pocket and I understand that but I was kind of surprised that um Vrabel Mike Vrabel came out and he was a little disappointed in Malik Willis and actually pulled him out of the game um for Logan Woodside to go in earlier than I guess planned um because he wanted him to throw out of the pocket more yeah which I'm a little torn on that um like I said I think he played relatively well I do I do remember like two or three plays that I think he rushed and moved out of the pocket early. Yeah, but I think some of that's gonna come with time. You know, he gets a little more confident. Um I don't know, I was just very surprised after one outing having having the coach come out and, and make a comment like that on a young quarterback. Uh, you know, just getting his getting his feet wet. I was curious. I wanted to hear your thoughts on that if you well, if you caught any of it. Yeah, so I saw some of the highlights, and and he looked very good. Uh, I think the main reason Brable's looking for him to stay in that pocket is because that's that's the offense is essentially, or how the offense is essentially built with Tannehill. 
not that Tannehill yeah. is immobile, but he's definitely not a scrambler like uh, Malik Willis is. So uh, it yeah. makes sense that, that you'd like to see him live within that offense. But I also, oh, yeah. I also think that Rabel is very tuned into that locker room. Uh, he's, yeah. I don't want to say friends because he ultimately has to be their boss, but he's, he's has a great relationship. He's a player coach. Man. Yeah, for sure. Those guys yeah. respect them because they've, they know that he's done it. They know that he knows what he's talking about. Uh, he's been in winning cultures the entire time he's been in the NFL. So, um, no, I think they respect him, and I don't think he would put something out there if he didn't think that Malik could, could you know, run with it. So I, I don't think there's anything there to, to really get fed up about or anything like that. I think no, Malik's no, gonna, I don't think there's a controversy. I, yeah. I, I mostly was just curious if you caught any of the play, which yeah, for sure. sounds and like you did. The funny thing is, I think they're going to have a, a much tougher time this season just because I think the Jaguars might steal a game from them. Uh, the Colts are, are, I think they're going to be even better with Matt Ryan at the helm. So yep. it's going to be a tough division to win. And if they get off to a slow start, I think they might make that move because when you have a scrambler like that, that can make plays with his feet, you're never truly out of games unless they're making a lot of bad decisions. So I think that's where he wants to see him yeah. sit in the pocket, re- take your reads, if nothing's there, then you can look to scramble. But don't immediately one read and then, oh, time's ticking, take off. So I think that's where he wants him to grow there. And, I mean, who knows how he's going to do that everyone had, you know, third, sixth-round grades on on the quarterbacks coming out this season. So I, I want to see him play, and I think he could be a major threat with Derrick Henry in that backfield. So yeah, he's even got if you, skill. Yeah, even if you just get a couple – packages in there just for him where you take Tannehill off the field and do even if it's like an option or something just get him in there Absolutely. and get some plays under his belt so yeah him and Derek Henry running an option offense is rough be very tough to cover so um and one other note I wanted to say on on NFL you did mention Deshaun Watson's guaranteed contract that's kind of what um uh, why can I not think of his name? Lamar Jackson. There we go. Lamar Jackson yeah. is reportedly looking for a contract like that, similar to it. And the Ravens are saying no right now. So it's getting to the point where the Ravens and him have both said, we're getting close to the deadline. So if something doesn't happen soon, we, we might just push off talks till next season. Um, but you can already see where that contract is starting to oh, cause yeah. some issues with the quarterback. So It's going to be a ripple effect through the whole league. And it's not even just quarterbacks. The amount of guaranteed money and contracts going out has been pretty substantial this season. Yep. Well, that's good to see. Like, it's it's good for the players. Right, for the player's standpoint, for sure. Some security. Yeah. So, I do like seeing that. Obviously, you, you hate seeing guys get injured after you give them that money, like Christian McCaffrey and, and so on yeah. and so forth. But, no, I'm, I'm excited to see – what Lamar Jackson does this season. And obviously I think he's quite deserving of a, of a new contract. So we'll see what I'd happens. I'd love to there. see him go somewhere else. Well, I'm sure you <laughs> would. <laughs> All right. So anything else NFL wise before we move on to baseball? Uh, no, not, I don't think so. Uh, no, I think we're good. I think we covered it all. Okay. So I just wanted to mention a couple of things. A's have been making some roster moves the last couple of days. Uh, we already talked about Jed Lowry, 
they they sent him off last week. Uh, earlier this week, they sent off Stephen Piscotti and called up uh, Shane Shay Langoliers, which I'm excited about that because he's our uh, he was probably going to be in contention for MVP of the PCL league just because how well he's been playing in AAA. So getting him up first at bat, first pitch, he hit a double right down the left field line, absolutely roped it, and he's been crushing the ball. I don't think he has any any other hits, but he's been hitting it so hard that and it's just been getting caught. So great to see him come up and make some contact. I think he's going to be a major contributor going forward. But then news broke today that they also released uh, Elvis Andrews, and <laughs> that was after he expressed frustration with his playing time. Really uh, and you know, we all saw this writing on the wall, especially with that fifteen million guaranteed. If he hit a certain amount of plate appearances, he's a below average MLB player at this point. So thinking that the A's are going to, you know, just keep throwing him out there every day was kind of a probably not going to happen no matter what. And he can file a grievance or whatever, but the A's ultimately decided to cut him because they don't need the distraction. They want the guys playing out there that, you know, looking towards the future. Nick Allen, see what he can do and see if he's part of their future plans as well. So. It all makes sense, but going back to, and I don't, it's not that I don't like Elvis Andrews. He just no. has not been the player that he was when the A's acquired him. Uh, kind of knew that was going to happen just because he was already on a downward trend from what he was in prior years. So essentially, take it was a, a salary dump, and we ended up giving up Jonah Heim with him. So the Texas Rangers definitely won that trade, just getting Jonah Heim. But going back to Stephen Piscotti, uh, this one hurts a lot more just because he's from the, the Oakland area. His family all grew up there. Um, Ace traded for him from St. Louis when he his mother was dying of ALS. So uh, they essentially made that trade where it benefited both teams, but it also got the player where he wanted to be so he could spend his off days with his mom being there for the last few, you know, weeks, months, whatever it was of her life. So I did want to play a quick clip um, of the first at bat after he came back from bereavement when after his mother had passed. So I'm going to put this on the screen here and, and let you guys just see this because this moment will always stay with me uh, thinking back on Stephen Piscotti as an A. So, put quick play here. This is courtesy of MLB.com. Mother Gretchen, that took place yesterday no, in the sorry, East Bay. YouTube. Imagine the heavy heart that? that he's got right now and probably the rest of his career and life, he's got to have a heavy heart for his mom. How can you mom that? had a great sense of yeah. humor. She was talking only recently about her boys, the Piscotti boys, playing naked wiffle ball in the backyard growing up. That's what it takes to get you to the show. <laughs> and now the 0-2 pitch. And Steven, a drive to left, headed for the monster, and over the monster, and gone. And Piscotti has given the A's a 3-0 lead. A tremendous shot it. over the green monster in left field. And 3-0 A's in the second. Towards home. So his first at bat after the service for his beloved he, mother, and he blasts a home run he did an interview at Fenway Park. I'll stop that now. Um, but anyway, he did an interview and basically said, I didn't have any tears left to cry because of how bad it had been. Uh, 
So he said, I, I did cry coming around the bases to home, but if I had any tears left to cry, I would have been. And he said it was just amazing to, to feel like his mom was there watching him in that moment. So shout out Stephen Scotty. I, I really hope he catches on with another team. I think he'll probably take the rest of this season off and, and try to get healthy again and jump on with the team next season. And not only do I wish him well on the field, but off the field and all the work that he and his father and family have done to raise awareness and, and research money for ALS. So always wish Steven the best. And, and like you said, hope he catches on with the contender next year and, and can get a, get a ring. And then one last note I had on uh, the A's and that's Paul Blackburn. He's out for the rest of the season. He was, yeah, I mean, this was his career year been pitching really well keeping us in games although win-loss record isn't there but that's just because he hasn't had the run support but absolute stud so gonna gonna miss him but at least we'll get to see what's in the minor leagues and and see if we can bring something up of a core next year so oh let's see here well that brings us to my buckos um <laughs> I'm usually on the uh, trying to stay optimistic side of things, but it's getting getting a little rough. We're we're on a big slump right now. Um, we are struggling at the plate so very bad, and I'm still a little confused on what our what we're doing with the remainder of the season. We still have kept so many veterans on the roster. Um, Josh Van Meter, even Ben Gamble. I mean, he's contributed, but he's not going to be part of the future of this team. I don't understand keeping these people in this position. Um, like even O'Neill Cruz, he's been struggling at the plate really bad. He makes, he's been making zero adjustments. He basically goes up and, you know, if they don't give him the pitch he wants, he's striking out. He's not adjusting whatsoever. Supposedly they, he has somebody coming to Pittsburgh um, to work with them or, which is great. I mean, that's what I want to hear, but, we have so many of these guys um, taking up roster spots. And then to add insult to injury, we're in a series with Boston right now, and they're pretty well handling us. Um, but Dennis Eckersley, they're uh, in their booth for Boston. Oh, you I mean, mean, middle of the game. Hall of Fame. <laughs> Closed That's from the guy. my Oakland days. Yes, that guy. Um I mean, he was brutal. I can't say I disagree with him. Um, I can't say that I'm upset with him, but even I was just like, okay, man. Well, let's pump the brakes a little bit. But I understand what he's saying because, I mean, he's he's speaking on behalf of the fan base. Yep. Um, but to, to tell you, I guess, what the things that he said, these were some of his comments. Um, he called it a no-name lineup. I mean – most of these guys are not, you know, known in every home across the United States. Uh, and he said, there's no team like this, which. Not true, but, you know, close to that's true. not true. There are some teams that are in similar situations, but I get his point. Uh, he used the word pathetic pretty regularly. Um, and then the one that just hits hard is he called them a hodgepodge of nothingness. Um, so, I mean, as a Pirates fan, obviously your 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 knee jerk reaction is to be angry, 
and like I said, not necessarily at him. I'm angry because he's right. Yeah. Um, you know, Ben Sherrington, who I have always had a lot of faith in, I still do. Um, I have all the faith in the world that he's working with what he has. Um, I, th- I think he does have a plan. I think we've seen a lot of that turnaround with the farm system. Um, but with that being said, after this season, if they're not making moves to win next season, um, all this was for naught. I mean, you're, you're telling the fan base to basically trust us. We have a plan. Well, we've been eating that for <laughs> years now. So, like I said, if they don't start making moves literally next season, they should be active, uh, both free agency um, or, I, I mean, I, yeah, I guess picking up, you know, veterans, but they have to get these young guys up and they have to get them playing because we can't afford another season of, well, let's see what the young guys can do. That's what this season was supposed to be for. Um, so a little frustrated. I mean, I'm never not going to watch them. I'm never not going to support them, but, um, it's, it's been pretty hard to watch this last little bit. So Dennis Eckersley, you're not wrong. (laughs) Well, and it's funny to uh, me because he just announced last week that this will be his last season doing the the booth for. I, I do, I do think that was part of it. I meant to yeah. comment on that. No, and I, I think, think with him stepping away, he's like, you know what? I think that's a hundred percent how I see it. That, yeah, he's not holding back now because he's made a couple of comments since announcing that. Oh. And I'm just like, whoo, don't hold back, Dennis. It was, it was brutal. So, um, yeah, I, I got nothing. Thanks, Dennis. <laughs> Just that you're not wrong. Although, yeah, the A's today started um, a roster of, I think, everyone on the team other than Chad Pender was under 30. And he's the only one with any decent amount of service time. They've got, like, Tony Kemp. They've got uh, Sean Murphy. But Kemp didn't start. And, yeah. Right. Pinder did, so he's the only one with service time on the roster, essentially. So I'm, I'm sure you could say that about the A's right now and, and probably a couple other teams that are down there at the bottom of spending. Yeah. But, um, well, yeah. and there's, there's – to add insult to injury, like Cabrian Hayes is out with an injury right now. He's, yep. I mean, he should be back here soon. But, um, you know, all Reynolds, that coming together has just been rough. Reynolds definitely took exception with it. Oh yeah, he was well. He had a rough game. Yeah, he got ejected from the game yesterday. Um, unfortunately, the two strike calls that he got ejected, you know, reacting to, they were actually very good calls by the umpire. But in the sixth inning prior, there were some just outrageous calls. Um, so he was frustrated. Obviously, got ejected, and that's why I was telling you off air. You know, I was excited today because first inning, Brian hit. Brian hits a you know, two run home run second at bat of the game. So I was like, all right, maybe we're, maybe we're going to get going. And then it's been all downhill. I think we're down eight to two right now. So yeah. A's are up three <laughs> yeah. to one allers pitching. So that's a rare occasion where they're actually winning with him pitching. Um, and Sean Murphy is the new Chris Davis. He's hit <laughs> like eight home runs against Texas, which I don't know if you were familiar with Chris Davis. He essentially, yeah. Every time he played the, the Rangers, he would hit a home run, like literally almost one per game when he would face them. <laughs> Don't know what it was about them, but yeah, 
and Sean Murphy's already got two today, so pretty good start. For three, let's but, get another one. Um, I think that's all I had. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we cut it? Um, the one last thing, and it's not really a lot to talk about, but the NBA dropped their um, schedules. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so there's some, uh, you know, some interesting matchups and stuff. Some things to look forward to. Uh, the Magic, for instance, I think they're starting off. I think their first games against Boston, so that'll be a good test to the young guys. Yep. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm gonna, like I mentioned before, I'm gonna try to get, try to get myself back in the old NBA a little bit. Um, we'll see how it goes. Other than yeah. that, though, that's that's all I got. Well, just since you mentioned that, Warriors are the top uh, national TV games, so. Yeah, that's going to be rightfully nice so. Because, I, I mean, I, I did get to watch them more last year because they subbed them out for teams that weren't playing well towards the end of the season. But the year prior, when they had just missed out on the playoffs, I never got to watch them play. They started taking them off the, the highlight games yeah. and all that. So, um, excited for that. Excited for the NBA season to start up soon-ish. Uh, always yeah, feels like it's a blink and then it's back to going, but... Oh, and I guess LeBron did sign a two-year extension worth two -year extension. a ton of money, so I guess that's worth mentioning. <laughs> well, and this is a sore spot for me, but I saw a comparison today um, back to when I still followed the Magic. This was one of the many moves that led to me taking a hiatus, but um, Victor Oladipo, um, they were breaking down the 100 and I think it was 122 million contract Indiana offered him. Um, and he turned it down to sign, I think, like a $2.5 million with the Heat. And it was just a comparison of his uh, not-so-great business decisions um, and then compared it to LeBron, who's obviously raked in everywhere he's gone, and not just because of the type of player he is. Um, you know, he, he is a businessman. <laughs> he's made a lot of money, but it hit me because I, I really enjoyed watching Vic play, but... Oh, well. Yep. All right. Well, with that, we just want to thank you guys for tuning in. As always, like we said, when you tune into these live events, don't feel free to, or don't be afraid to comment. We, we will see them and we will respond. So, uh, and I, I do want to take the chance to, to reiterate the, um, square state Sandlot fantasy league. Yep. Uh, like Bill said, we do have a few openings and we're really looking forward to doing this moving forward. Um, you know, having the podcasts league. So anyone interested, please reach out to either me or Bill or um, any of the, you know, Square State social medias. Um, we're we're pretty excited about this. So I'm, I'm hoping we can get a few more people to hop in and, and make it a little bit larger league. Yep. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one.